1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: What's to say when you already said it? Well, I didn't say anything yet, but here I am now, Kevin Goethe here gutting the sacred cow. Wow. It's time to attack another late 90s slash early 2000s beloved one. We got Jeff Lyons, newcomer, joining us to tell everybody why you were wrong to like high fidelity. That's right, John Cusack and Jack Black take more flack. Oh, what a rhyme. Damn, I'm good on this podcast. Who's guest hosting? Ah, oh, you know him, Mr. Reliable. That's David, the producer, the guy who had the balls to say that Back to the Future stinks guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com if you want to say hi to us. Why waste any more time? Let's go see if Jeff Lyons can really tune out high fidelity. Waka, waka, waka.
3: Gather round is what
1: I know. It's just that this cow has got
3: to go.
2: How the hell did you get the Franks above the
4: beans? David, the producer. Dumb and dumber, of course. Wrong! Oh, shoot, it's the other Farrelly Brothers movie.
2: Jeff Lyons is our guest for today's episode. Jeff, name that quote.
3: David, can I ask you to repeat that, please?
2: How the hell did you get the beans above the Franks? Oh, Jesus.
3: That sounds like a, a definitely Farrelly Brothers. It sounds like a, a, a Will Farrell Stop brothers. It is not. It is, son of a.
2: It is something about, about Mary.
3: Mary. Oh, my pastor wouldn't let me see that movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you broke out of the uh, the convent, then, huh? I did. Wise man, <laughs> Kevin Goate, David, the producer. And newcomer Jeff Lyons is here, everybody. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. How goes it?
3: Thank you for having me, guys. I'm uh, very excited to be here.
2: Jeff has chosen a film (laughs) that hits one of our core values, Square Dead in the Nuts. And that, of course, is High Fidelity. Definitely meeting one of our three criteria. And, of course, welcome to Gutting the Sacred Cow, the most beloved movie review podcast out there, movie debate podcast, where our guests are invited to pick a film they find overrated or hate but try to convince us to see their argument of course the twist being you must have your film meet one of these criteria widely beloved critically acclaimed or a financial success why do i say all that at the beginning because that's what the youtube algorithm wants to hear <laughs> jeff has chosen high fidelity which of course came out in the year 2000 a budget of 30 million dollars you want to take a guess what the box office hall was for 47.1 million dollars i'm not going to give you a chance to guess that one <laughs> so slightly above break even now let's go to imdb as we all know is a scale one through 10 with decimal points we go to our guest jeff Lyons first jeff what beer are you drinking first and foremost i saw you take a pull there We got a Pale
3: Ale Yards. It's a local Philadelphia brewery, probably the best brewery in Philadelphia.
2: Okay. I hate the Eagles, but we'll get past that. Most people Uh, do. (laughs) I have a Ship bottom from LBI. That's my beer. Oh, I love LBI. Who doesn't? IMDb, one through 10. What did high-fidelity score, Jeff? Well, let me see. IMDb. I'm going to say a solid seven. Solid seven. David, the producer, my buddy in New Orleans. What? Did you, what do you think? Excuse me, did high fidelity get on the old IMDb?
4: I'm going to say a little higher. I'm going to say eight.
2: Seven, four. Ooh,
4: seven, four. Split Crit- the difference.
2: Yep. We're going to go to the Rotten Tomatoes scale, one through 100. David, the producer, and you, though, the drill critics, Rotten Tomatoes score. Let's go.
4: Oh, I'm sure they gave it high marks. uh I'm going to go 85. 85,
2: Jeff Lyons. Here comes a bad Prices is right uh, move, 86. Boy, oh, I have not heard that before since an hour ago on our last oh. episode. Answer is 91. So Jeff takes it by the skin of an Eagles holding penalty. Ha! will do that all day. Back to you, Jeff. What did the audience give high fidelity, 1 through 100? Yeah, 88. 88 David the producer I hope it's six
4: (laughs) are you going with six Uh, um, I'll say they probably loved it unfortunately Uh, I'll go 75.
2: I love how you decided to tip your hand in the first 45 seconds of the show the answer (laughs) team David team David the answer is 90 percent, 91 and 90 people I said people loved it David you know that quotes John Dillinger was killed behind that theater theater in a hail of FBI gunfire. You know who tipped them off? His fucking girlfriend. All he wanted to do is go to the movies. That is the only quote I've pulled from this part from this film. I'll go to my guest first. Jeff Lyons, you have any quotes that stood out to you? No. And I was thinking
3: that's the only one that is like even remotely quotable because he is such a dour, angry, just horrible guy that like. And a complete lack of sense of humor about it. We'll himself. get to
2: you taking the tits out of this in our next segment. Yeah,
4: so there's you... no quotes. No good quotes. No good quotes.
2: <laughs> no good quotes. David, David, the producer, anything jump out at you?
4: Just one, and that's uh, Charlie, you fucking bitch. Let's work it out.
2: <laughs> Five fun facts. We know there are two Cusacks in this film, but did you know there are four? In addition to John and Joan, Rob's uh, occasionally vitriolic friend Liz, High Fidelity features the pair's younger sister, Susie, in a minor role as a party guest, as well as their father, Dick, in a likewise minor role as the minister at Laura's father's funeral. Who cares? (laughs) Whoa. Jack Black nearly turned the part down when first reading the the screenplay. I want you guys to guess, but there's no way you're going to guess it. So I'm just going to flat out say Artie Lang auditioned for this role at one point. Oh, you're kidding. No, but would have been, well, But when Black reconsidered, he won the part. The film launched Black's career from a bit player to a bona fide movie star. I say it would have been hard for Artie Lang to pretend or walk, rock out to Walking on Sunshine as he's nodding out with a heroin <laughs> syringe stuck in his arm.
4: Yeah, that's that's a tough look.
2: Number three, during an October 2019 AV Club interview with Tim Robbins, he mentioned that he agreed to take the small roles in High Fidelity and Anchorman, even though he knew he would be paid very little for the roles because they promised to make him a custom wig for each of the roles, both of which he got to keep after filming ended. Robbins said he owns both wigs and, as of 2019,
4: uses them often in Halloween costumes. Oh. there's a yawner fact huh <laughs> Who, who's even calling him anymore for parts
2: not susan sarandon that's for damn sure yikes <laughs> by the way still a smoke show ran into her in the city literally ran into her about six years ago and still mm, really yeah the mm-hmm. writers listened to two thousand songs while picking the soundtrack
4: you should have spent that much time working on the script
2: i was gonna say that but damn it david the producer you came in and mariana rivera that for me thanks pal i know want to take a guess on how many films john and joan cusack have done together all of them <laughs> <laughs> jeff uh, lyons you got, a, you got a number for me buddy
3: i'll go with seven.
2: Oh.
4: I swear, just like uh, when we uh, did uh, Say Anything.
2: (laughs) I was going to get to that. This is your second in a row John Cusack film.
4: I can't believe I'm doing two John Cusack movies uh, in the same year. Uh, When you sent me the email saying you want to do High Fidelity, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) oh.
2: Listen, next time if someone does Con Air, you're the first person I'm calling. Uh, oh, at, let's get ready to get the audience in on the fun with Ask a Gutter at Rex Crumb between John Cusack and Jack Black. Who wins in the contest of actors who only ever portray themselves no matter what role they are playing? That goes to you, Jeff. Sorry, you're the gutter. I should probably clarify. Oh,
3: okay. Yeah, yeah. It's My Jack fault. Black. Jack Black, 100%. He's, he's, the, he's the best Jack Black right now at being Jack Black. I don't know if there's any other... Jack Black's coming co- close to the jet, the original.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to ask you, David. Circle gets the square. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at Joe Loves Cam, do you think John Cusack purposely crapped his pants multiple times on the set of the Thin Red Line and leave a mess for a PA to clean up as anonymously reported? Or did he have one accident and he's such a jerk, the story was embellished to make him look bad?
3: I think that's the second part, definitely. I think it happened. And I think he was such a prick on set that they were looking for the littlest thing. And boy, this wasn't the littlest thing. They were just looking for something to be like, boom. And then they got their little you know, sound bite that kind of went viral.
2: I had no idea that happened. David, the producer, did you ever hear that story?
4: First time when I saw the tweet today, I thought, oh, please let that be true. <laughs>
2: no idea about that. So we did heat before we taped today and at STST podcast says, if the casting was flipped, which member of Macaulay's crew being De Niro would John Cusack play? And why would it be quote, whoever gets shot first?
3: Guys, I don't think I remember Heat. That was nineteen ninety five, five. five. yeah. Close, I, close. I'm, I'm a very old man. I can't remember. Uh, that Wasn't that the first movie that the two yes. heavyweights started yep. together?
2: Yep. Right? That's yep. all I know about that movie. At Dave Quist, Cusack movies are a masterclass on how not to get the girl. <laughs> A statement, not a question, but nonetheless contributing to a fine, conver- finer level of conversation. That officially closes Ask a Gutter. Gentlemen, no one listens to the end of podcasts, so let's get to the plugs right now. Jeff Lyons, what are you up to? Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on that dying hell site
3: known as Twitter. Uh, still there. I'm at the handle at used wigs, one of the worst handles, <laughs> and I still own it at UsedWigs. I also do a, a beloved podcast a, a podcast with beloved comedian Chip Chantry yeah called uh, Junk Miles with Chip and Jeff where we have guests tell us about a movie that was important to them when they were young and is still important to them today and then we build quizzes around it and other feel good stuff celebrating the film it's a feel good comfort food movie podcast probably the opposite of what we're going to do tonight
2: <laughs> i expect my invitation in the email and no less than 24 hours there you go i have uh several choices big trouble in little china brain donors we- naked gun we can go on and on and on and on we've already done big trouble but the other two they sound good to me love it I'll david Oh, sorry, oh, My ahead. guy talked to your guy. Interesting. Interested as well. David, the producer, my friend, what are you up to over there behind the
4: rant? Yes, yeah, still producing Juliet's two podcasts, which are That One Thing and The Unwritable Rant. You can find everything just through our website, which is theunwritablerant.com.
2: He's a good man. You can hear him on many of our episodes. Uh, definitely the lightning rod. One of the lightning rods on this fine podcast is he has chosen... Oh, my God, Stripes, Back to the Future, Goonies, uh, and Your Wife chose Pretty in Pink, Nightmare on Elm Street. Was she Nightmare on Elm Street? No, she was not. She sat in Nightmare on Elm Street. She did a few other films, though. Uh, Those two are a delightful combo and easily a fan favorite. David, let's just let Jeff Lyons into the lion's den. Waka, waka, (laughs) waka. And come in and upset every Gen Xer out there. So let's see if he can indeed gut. The, the sacred, sacred
3: cow. cow All right fellas now I love the idea of high fidelity I mean I literally when it came out I couldn't think of a movie I wanted to see more quicker went to the theater and saw it custom made for me John Cusack sure why not right he's great set in a record store with people who love alternative music and have strong opinions to me guys in the 90s I spent hours on weekends sitting in record stores, talking to record stores employees, Silkworm, Welder, Jawbreaker, Green Day, all the greats, right? This movie, what did I hear about it? Plot with nuanced relationships, sympathetic characters, great dialogue, so in. Then I made the mistake of watching it, guys. Mm-hmm. Hated it from the get-go, the moment Cusack's big, sad sack face literally filled the screen <laughs> and started in one of his diatribes and then awkwardly stalking around the room in a tizzy i hated it then rewatching it i hated it more i will just give you this this is my premise for not liking this movie is simple guys it's very simple all right not counting movies about serial killers or white supremacists john cusack's rob gordon is the least likable and maybe the most insufferable character i've ever seen in a life in a movie i get what they were going for jeff jeff no 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 you don't get it you don't get his his the depth of him no they're going for a redemption arc story right a redemption arc of an asshole there's no redemption guys there's absolutely none he is an arrogant jerk at the beginning he's slimy he's aggressive and by the end of the movie he's still a slimy aggressive jerk but everything works out for him guys bad guys win again
4: (laughs) nailed
2: it (laughs) (laughs) is that it you're done no, I got more. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> Jesus
3: Christ, I had, to take, a, a, I had to take a breath. I'm so worked up right now, Kevin. I was going to have a nice normal take,
4: take a I was going to gonna have a, a nice, call.
3: normal Monday night playing some words with friends with my mother-in-law, but now I'm all <laughs> now I'm all ramped up. Do you guys know after this movie came out, violent crimes against record store workers went up 90 percent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wish I worked at the wall-to-wall sound video or Sam Goody to corroborate that fact, but I can't, so I'll, I'll defer to that.
3: People were just walking in and just beating the crap out of anyone who made fun of them requesting a prefab sprout record. Okay. <laughs> That's a All right, guys, shot. here's the deal. I think we know this. A character has to show a modicum of decency or likability, or maybe just have a horrible backstory, right? That we don't know. Maybe his parents were killed. Maybe his dog was stolen, right? That would give us some reason for him to being just a complete prick on top of this. He has so many other bad traits besides just being an angst filled jerk. Uh his manic nature felt very forced with the cigarettes and like you know, skulking around. It just seemed very forced. He looked like he smelled bad the entire time. Like every time you saw him, you could just smell cigarettes and BO on his body. He was not charming, good looking enough to pull off that shitty attitude, right? Right. And then Here's one thing that really bothered me. They're like, well, maybe we need a little rom-com element to it. What do rom-coms like, guys? They like a little slapstick. So they had two scenes where they had him do slapstick humor, diving over the record uh, counter to turn off, walking on sunshine, and then diving over a fence in the rain when his uh, when Laura pulled up, showing like his range, and it did not work. Like He couldn't pull it off. I'm like, Don't even go there with the rom-com stuff. You already decided you're a movie about an a-hole, right? Stick with that. On top, mm-hmm. very strong misogynistic streak. Like stalker, he actually says a line: "I'm not going to get off this phone until you, you meet, agree to meet me for a drink." Like that's just like threat one of a guy like that. We've all known guys like that, right? Like that's that was just that him.
2: was Glenn Close. I will not yes. be ignored. <laughs> Dan, Dan. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: I have a question for you guys. All right? Sure. This this whole like we love this asshole. We're rooting for him. Rooting for this asshole. People love prestige shows right now about assholes. Like, they're just huge. Like, do you think it's because people who watch are such assholes, they find some sort of, like, goodness in seeing people who are bigger assholes than themselves? Like, they're like, I'm an asshole who does asshole things, but this guy on Barry or this guy in Succession, he's a bigger asshole than me, so I'm good to go. Justifying our garbage behavior, yes. Yep. And lastly, I just want to throw this out there. And I'm amazed John Cusack did not initially want to do this fourth wall breaking narration. Yeah. I thought it was his idea, but the narrative within the first five minutes of him talking to you, I'm like, Oh boy. Like I had a problem with Ferris Bueller. I'm not going to be able to handle this. At least Ferris Bueller did some funny stuff. Don't like, you don't need to tell me, what she looks like or thinks let me just see her let me see a scene before you tell me what's going to happen like that whole concept the whole conceit of the narration was just so bad and it went on and they never just kind of let it die out it was the crux of the movie and lastly john Cusack, yes he sucked who sucked just as much Jack Black's character. The the amazing thing in that movie was not one of the three people he just totally laid into did not punch him square in the face <laughs> in the middle of him telling them
2: why their music sucked. And you know, if someone hit him in the face, it would be a one punch gone. gone. Just it. done. Just done. And it would have been great. Like if this was
3: if this was a straight up comedy and Jack Black's character was in it, it would be really great. He would right. just be a guy who gets laid out but never learns, and then like two scenes later gets laid out again, never learns. You know they, they could have went different direction. I love Jack Black. I like John Cusack. It just did not work. Wow,
2: is, oh. that, the, is that the exclamation point of the argument already, guys? I need a breather. Somebody help me out here. <laughs> All right, <laughs> give me a one to ten then.
3: I honestly, I, I I was so angry when I watched this again, guys. I literally was like in a bad mood last night watching it again. I give it a three because there was a lot of good stuff that I appreciate. They wanted to bring a record store culture. They celebrated good music. They nailed it in so many parts where they kind of gave a voice to like cool bands and a culture of, hey, not everybody is, you know, like into what everybody else is into. There's a bunch of weird dudes like myself who literally go and spend three hours in a record store that smells with smelly people who aren't this bad. Right, right. So I'll give them a three for that, but it was just John Kusak's overbearing character
2: ruined the party for everybody. Wow, <laughs> I like the conciseness of this. <sighs> it was, it was a sniper shot. It was a, it was a, it was a sniper scope, like Bradley Cooper, an American mm-hmm. sniper. A lot of people said that about me. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. the wife too, perhaps. I don't know, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Maybe David, maybe David, the producer, is there any shrapnel you want to go in there and clean up with or just want to ravage the bodies and get the hell out of Dodge?
4: Oh, daddy's got stuff to add. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, the one thing that came up and nailed it right with the first scene where his just big fat head is yes. sitting there just spewing nothing but pretentious bullshit just right out of the gate. And you're like, really? And then you get to pretentious uh, top five lists, and then you get the pretentious top five girlfriend lists, and then you, go, and then they have to tell us backstories of those, you know, pretentious relationships. It never ended. It just did not stop being not fun. The movie is zero fun. It's supposed to be. It says comedy. Yeah. I, I don't know where they have the comedy in that movie. At that's all. a
3: great. That's that could have been the tagline. This movie's no fun. Yeah,
4: <laughs> it, it was zero fun and zero fun. Black, I, You know what? I remembered before I rewatched it. I thought, oh, I remember Jack Black being funny in this. I mm-hmm. couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> I and he was completely unfunny. I mean, they they could have taken that and just called it, you know, School of Rock and retail, right? You know, yeah. I mean, should have just thrown <laughs> that out there. Instead of having John Cusack do this movie, it was absolutely awful. And uh, his girlfriend that he had, or that she broke up with him right away. Uh, what was her name? Laura, I think.
3: Laura yeah, sure, the, Laura, yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: Laura. Who cut her bangs? A lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, was, same, sh- it was is the same haircut
2: that Lloyd Christmas had in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs>
3: It was jarring when you first saw her because it was a full on straight shot. And you're like, I can't wait because, you know, she's going to be cute. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, hey, hey, hey. (laughs) And you wanted like a story behind it, like him saying, you know, she lost a bet or I was drunk. (laughs) She was sleeping. I was drunk. I cut them. She's still mad. (laughs) And she I believe she was so shortchanged like she was a good character. And like halfway through the movie where they're just like she dumped him because you know, he was cheating on her when she was getting an abortion. She, he took money from her. Everything that a, a woman would never go back to. Like, she's a successful lawyer, right? And yeah. then they give her the lamest arc after that. They're like, oh, she has a new boyfriend. What kind of boyfriend? Hey, you know what? Let's steal the boyfriend from one of the best movies, Singles, 1991, when uh, Kira Sedgwick dumps Campbell Scott and then goes with the ponytail-wearing pretentious guy who's played by James LaGrosse, it's the same frigging character. And both made no sense. Why would a cool chick that he fell in love with, and that I think was very cool, you know, she had more ambition than him, why would she then just automatically be like, oh, I'm going to go with this loser?
4: Yeah. shortchanged changed her. No idea. Well, she when they met, she was a uh, a waitress, right? Yeah. Yeah, so she wasn't quite uh, you know, a lawyer quite yet. Yeah. But uh, as soon as she started making lawyer money, she's like, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm.
2: 60000 a year, by the way. I also jumped out and go, what? $60,000 <laughs> 2000? It wasn't that much back then. No.
4: <laughs> I had every reason to love this movie. Yeah. I love movies shot in Chicago. Lived there my whole life. Oh. Uh, With and- that
2: accent you don't say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: But it's, it's amazing to me that they actually even got that wrong. They could have used a lot of cooler, you know, location shots. And uh, they're just using the river behind Joan, the typical BS that you see in every Chicago movie. And they just, they really cheapened it. Yeah. It, it just was not a good use of the city as a character in a movie, which a lot of them. Be- know, best. I'll,
2: I'll make you my ambassador for Chicago, my friend. What's the best film that was shot or featured Chicago.
4: I Ooh. still say it's Blues Brothers.
2: I don't blame you, even though I hate that film. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I despise it. Goes in that episode. Uh, you appreciate that, Jeff. It. Yeah, I'm not.
3: A, I'm not a big fan either. So, uh, or,
2: or, Fer- I mean, it's Ferris Bueller, and it's that, right? It's definitely not Rookie of the Year. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> Rookie of the Year.
3: There's people Uh-oh. talking shit about Rookie of the Year. <laughs>
2: yeah. Or actually, you know what? I take that back. The Dark Knight that's a good one
4: that's a great one it's a great fucking movie it's it's uses chicago to its fullest form yeah it's great it
2: doesn't it doesn't harp that it's chicago it's just oh it's gotham but it's shot in chicago if you guys can put two and two together right
4: (laughs) sorry uh, didn't mean to derail you go ahead sir no that's all right uh you know the besides just being pretentious uh, even the the runtime in this movie is pretentious two hours in 2000 yeah. you know it that movie did not need to be two hours they no. could have shaved 30 off that quick quick
2: my my rule is no comedy shall ever exceed an hour and 45
4: yep there you go and that should have happened in this case but uh, I know it was based off a of book and uh they tried to use the most out of that but man i'll tell you i'm never going to the book the
3: book was actually good i mean here's the deal the book was set in london it was english guy and if they did this as a in london as an english guy i could understand an english guy being a prick more than just john cusack because i was like yeah i, I figure most guys in british record stores are probably you know unctuous pricks so yeah let them let them have at it um a very funny thing about the guy Nick Hornby, you know, he did mm-hmm. uh, about a boy, yep. which was a pretty good movie. And the thing I hate when they when they try to take movies and you know Americanize them and stuff, so they kept it in London and everything. But in the book, what the great thing was is young kid loved Kirk Cobain and he loved Nirvana and that was his thing. Like he was a young little nerd and all he did was listen to Nirvana. So when they made the movie. Producer, like, I don't know if Nirvana has appeal. What's hot? What's going on? (laughs) I swear to God, do you know who
2: they picked? Uh, It looks like Kevin knows. No, but I'm, I'm, hold on. Nirvana is one of my two top two all time bands. The book, now that I hear that, I go, oh man, this could have been, they could have had the same horse shit that they had in the film. I would give it an additional two and a half point bonus. If it features five Nirvana songs. And I've been like, all right, it's not good, but at least you hear, you know, it's it's a love letter Kurt Cobain, Chris, and yeah. Dave and Dave Grohl. Hearing that just takes all the piss out of me. Who what, was it? The Pixies or someone like that? Or the Smiths? Not Smith? even close.
3: The Smiths. Oh, no, no. They went so they're, they literally looked at the charts and they're like, what is the biggest song? Green Day. It was a rapper named Mystical. And he had a song oh that like this song about like somebody's I don't even know. It was just like really dumb novelty song about like, you know, smacking someone's butt or something. And <laughs> the the main problem was, and it, not only that, I'm, I even knew like Mystical, this, this guy is a flash in a pan. This is going to be the most ephemeral reference that will just die. <laughs> and, and people and the young kid, could, he had such a thick British accent. He kept saying. Mr. Cow so he sounded like he was his rapper that he loved was Mr. Cow and (laughs) it was so confusing and I'm like you could have in the book they talk about like they break down Nirvana songs in the book and why this lonely kid loved Nirvana so much and I'm like this movie would have done like you said Kevin guys like you would have been embracing it be like oh hell yeah they mentioned Nirvana yeah I give it two more stars Mm -hmm. drop the ball
2: well, if they would have waited one more year, if they're looking for a novelty song, they could have went with Afro Man's Because I Got High. That would have been a little, like, 10-year-old British kid in his little British uniform. <laughs> that mo- the movie, Jay and Silent Bob, uh, uh, the, what was that? Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, that's the, re- that's the only reason that song has any credence. Oh, my God. Good film. Yeah. So Sorry,
3: David. I, that's no, so that's all right. So, I just David wanted was...
4: to wrap up by saying okay. there's only, you know, one thing I've rooted for in the movie, and that was the Skateboard Kids. I really <laughs> Yes. To, that was it. They're the only ones that were likable in that movie. You like
3: yeah. that they just stole from him, right? Anyone, who, Absolutely. <laughs> anyone who got away with just making his day worse was yep. like a big bonus.
2: Totally. That's
4: exactly it. Everyone else, I, I even felt that uh, the Laura character was pretty unlikable as well
2: yeah which character you said sorry
4: laura oh laura okay yeah 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 oof but one other good thing which i totally forgot about was uh lisa bonet
2: yes yes show yes
3: boy i don't really remember her like on the cosby show and everything you know she was cute but like the way they had her as an alternate chick like everything was perfect like she was the perfect and she deserved to be in a better movie than this, but she was so appealing. And you could see where he's like, Wow. Um, you know, there's a fun fact, Kevin, about that. Do you know right before she comes into the store, Lisa Bonet, mm-hmm. what does Jack Black yell to uh John Cusack's character? He yells to it's him a Cosby
2: back- sweater reference.
3: Yes, yeah. right before Lisa Bonet comes yeah. in. Pretty good, that. right? Cute. Yeah, yeah cute again. You know what? For a movie that's so devoid of humor or comedy or just getting it, there was one writer in the room of twenty writers who's probably like, "Hey, guys, could we put like a Cosby joke in?" Yeah,
2: yeah. No one did that. No one goes, "Come on, can we get a sweater? Can we get a pudding pop reference in there? Something." Hey, how about a Leonard Part Six joke? No, too deep of a cut. All right, sweater. We'll agree. He's he's looking at a the Ghost Dad soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost, a good call. God, I love I love guys <laughs> and girls who can throw out esoteric movie references. My dick gets to mess it. David, the producer, give me a number
4: one to ten, pal. Oh, this is a, a four at best. Four?
2: Four, yeah. Well, these notes are brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com, where you can find sweet-ass merch, hats, bags, mugs. And remember, kids, we love when you write those five-star ratings, two or three-sentence reviews. Wherever you listen to podcasts, and please, wherever you find us on social media, which of course GTSC Podcast on Twitter, Gutting the Sacred Cow Podcast on Instagram and TikTok, where the Chinese are stealing my information as we speak, <laughs> please hit that like button. It really helps us get moved up in the algorithm. So that way you can hear hilarious guests like David the producer and Jeff Lyons. notes oh good an hour and 50 of a moody adult who acts like a whiny twat yay a vinyl record shop owner would definitely frown upon my collection of socal punk grunge old school rap as well as my copy of teenage mutant turtles 2 secret of the ooze soundtrack because i only got it for vanilla ice's ninja rap how dare you not make a face and go good song man good song God damn it. I hate Jack Black as much as I hate people that ordered 3,421 lottery combinations at a quickie mart when all I want is a bottle of water. <laughs> but hold on. Jack Black plays Katrina in the waves walking on sunshine, which is one of the, which is one of the catchiest 80 tunes ever automatic half a point increase. <laughs> hey, I'm surprised on you guys did this. Ready? Hey, top five lists of annoying Jack Black films. Ready? Shallow Howl, Envy. <laughs> School of Rock, Tropic Thunder is a Colossal Turd, and this film, and hey, top five annoying John Cusack roles, Say Anything, Better Off Dead, One Crazy Summer, 1308, and this movie. Top five, Catherine Zeta-Jones in the 90s, You Bet Your Ass, but let me ask you, fellas, is she worth catching HPV in the throat like Michael Douglas did?
4: That's crazy. (laughs) That's Yeah, I'll still never be able to explain that one.
3: I have to go back. School of Rock
4: is, is a really good
2: movie. I well I Drop it Thunder. Spy, good movie. No, no, it's not. It is known for three <laughs> scenes. Three scenes people love and they are just Mandela affected and thinking that's a hilarious film. <laughs> it is Tom Cruise. It is the it, it was the Robert yeah. Downey Jr. blackface and pick one other random scene. Those are the three scenes that it's a funny film. Oh yeah. What about the other hour and forty-five? I don't remember. Case in point. Sustained. <laughs> I would love to have worked in a video store that my brother did, and I would love to shit on people who want to rent films like Princess Bride, Napoleon Dynamite, Spaceballs, 2001 A Space Odyssey, just to name a few. Then, when they get pissed at me for making fun of them, I'll pull a Randall from Clerks and say, You're not allowed to rent here anymore. <laughs> this kid's is right there on the top 10 all time list of. Films where black people watch this movie and say, fucking white people.
4: (laughs) I can see that. (laughs)
2: Add those who have had copious amounts of vinyl to the list of people that I can't hang out with. Of course, that list also includes people who don't own TV, who brag about not owning TVs, people who have seen the band Fish more than once, and other people who think cats are just like dogs. (laughs) Jack Black is an annoying jerk-off in every one of his comedic films. Every single one of his films, he's an annoying asshole. You know what film I like him most in? King Kong, because he's not an annoying queef. That's why. Jack Black is the type of guy to use your toothbrush and then laugh hysterically about it. He's also the type of guy to sing uh, sing his dialogue like he's auditioning for Broadway at any given moment of any given day.
4: What, you didn't like him in uh, Legend of the Pick. Come on.
2: <laughs> I, don't, I will never watch a Tenacious
4: mm-hmm. D movie. By the way,
2: if you haven't heard the Shallow Hal episode, guess where I stand on that one. He <laughs> <laughs> had a feeling.
3: Has that movie just been, like, shelved for good just because of, like,
2: just... The whole movie is just pretty much fat-shaming, right? Is that the yeah. one where, like... Actually, I know it's... We just rewatched it a few months ago for Don Jameson, who I love on this podcast... Uh, it's not really fat shaming. It's no. them writing a letter, love letter for fat people. It's Is it? It's it's a quick like, "Oh, fat gross," but then he's like, "No, he sees the beauty in her and just falls over himself trying to write all of his wrongs by being superficial." Guess what? No one's buying it. Mm. <laughs> the only way to organize your music is alphabetically or by genre. Oh wait, iTunes does it now automatically for us. So, no, you don't have to group it like he was about to pull all his albums and do that. By the way, I am one of 250 white guys who don't own a Beatles album, Frampton Comes Alive or Hel- or Hotel California. I plan on making this my unbreakable Cal Ripken Jr. streak.
4: <laughs> oh, Can- no Peter Frampton. Okay. That no, uh
3: California. that reorg when he took all the records out and put them there and then like the writers are like this is gonna this is gonna speak to music nerds everywhere they're gonna embrace this this is gonna be so talked about like in a cult movie no music nerd in the history of music nerds have ever said oh i'm gonna do it autobiographically no where was i when i was listening to this um Public yeah. enemy,
2: fear, fear of a black planet. Yeah.
3: like No one's ever thought of that in the world. Right. The only thing music geeks do is they do it by genre and then alphabetical. Right. And that's that, what that, you do. That, that's what
4: I just said. I <laughs> he is more. the only character that made music that he did not write about him. He made it all about him. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Ah, yes. Answering machine monologues. We're all guilty of leaving messages that we wish we could erase. By the way, no better film that encapsulated that kind of feeling than Swingers. When he leaves that (laughs) shiver up your butthole awful message. But my favorite thing to do as a youngster was leave uh, positive STD results on my friend's family's answering machines. If you didn't do that, you missed out. You're a cruel
3: man. Yeah, I I was a much nicer child than you, Kevin. My
2: goodness. (laughs) John Cusack is one second away from proclaiming he's a male feminist, and that's when I'll turn this film right the fuck off. (laughs) Hey, 29 minutes in, and we've got our first black guy. I am completely shocked. I would have guessed this film would be a complete whiteout. No black people involved. Hey, look at that. Minute 29, our second black guy. All right. Sorry, minute 24 was our first one. Minute 29 was our second. Hey, does John Cusack have a writer that demands his sister Joan is every is in every film she does? She's at Albatross, family albatross that everyone has to suffer through, quote unquote, her projects. Oh, we have to support her.
4: There's something oh, they- uh, he's uh, she's got something on him. Uh there's there's some hidden skeleton that we don't know about that she's like, oh, okay, I'm going to be in her next movie. Right, right, right. Are you Are you
2: listening, Billy Baldwin? He's talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Holy Christ, if uh, they finally play a good song, a second good song, Brothers Gonna Work It Out by the Chemical Brothers. D- off Dig Your Own Hole. God, I love that album. Mm-hmm. Minute 37, and I have not cracked a smile except when I heard Katrina and the waves walking on sunshine. That is a guilty pleasure, kids. Uh, this movie is much of a comedy as Saving Private Ryan was. Uh, You've said it. At what point does Cusack get anyone, anyone to root for his character? He's a ne'er-do-well who has loser friends, creating top five lists that no one cares about, and <laughs> thinking he's better than everybody else. Oh!
4: That no. should have been on, in the trailer. Yeah. Here yeah, are top, top five reasons the end- you
2: won't like this film. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Just that he wins like
3: I'm just so tired of bad guys winning and he not like you know. Married her, then he found this band. He's DJing again, and you know the final scene. Everything he just wins. Comes Jack together. Black wins too. Jack Black wins too. He was a complete asshole to everybody, but oh, at the end, oh, they found out he could sing a little soul song with the band. We didn't expect that, and you're like, shit, he won
2: too. Like bad guys <laughs> win, man. I don't mind bad guys winning as long as the bad guys have redeeming qualities, either good or bad. But it's yeah. something very original. Rejo- I mean, Thanos and Endgame, or sorry, in Infinity War, winning. If you ever saw Arlington Road with Jeff Bridges, holy shit, that one's gonna throw you for a loop.
3: Oh, you know it's a good one. Bad guy who you rooted for was the uh, Wakanda movie, the first one. Oh, yeah. Name? Um uh, he was awesome. He was the best. That was the, one best. Of the best villains. One of the best. I'm villains. a villain, but I have a reason for it. And you just kept like I was rooting for him as much as you know, rooting for the other guy. Right. But uh yeah, you're right, Kev. You gotta at least have, even if you're a villain, yeah, like Thanos. There you go. He had a good reason. Too many yeah. fucking people in the world.
2: <laughs> I mean I'll, th- I'll, I'll, he, I'll thin him out for you. I yeah. was <laughs> say he's not wrong now. No. A Bruce Springsteen cameo. Hey, I'm also one of 250 white guys from Jersey who does not get him. As my buddy Ron Barber puts it best, Bruce is for the guys who get home from work, takes off his blue overalls, cracks open a mirror light to watch the Met game. His music does not speak to me. Thank you. Here's my Bruce Springsteen impression at a concert. Ready? You know, my daddy always said, you should never take the express lane on the Parkway South during the summer. Everyone knows you take the local lane. This next song's called Glory Days. Two,
4: three, four.
3: Do you know who they wanted originally for that? John Cusack did not want Bruce.
2: Bob Dylan.
3: Yeah. And then he settled for Bruce. And uh, that was underwhelming because people are like, guys, you're not going to believe this. But there's a Bruce Springsteen cameo in it. And then you watch it and you're like, that's it. That's it. He's about his he's about as charming as John Cusack is in a movie. So <laughs> what you am know, I doing? Do- he literally was just like, what's this funny movie we're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> just, do I-,
2: I gotta be out there. I gotta be out there in the Jersey diner, have myself some Taylor ham, egg and cheese. This next song's called Rosalita. Two, three, four. <laughs> <laughs> you uh-huh. talk about, you talk about cameos out of left field. What the fuck is Darlene from Roseanne doing in here? Huh? That yeah,
4: that nice. was a weird one. That
2: What'd was, you- Hey, I have on my list of a, few things that i
3: really liked about the movie i like that dick had a little story that he met a girl it was a good scene he turned her on to a good band and they had a nice little thing and i thought that was nice so just thought i'd throw that in i was rooting for him he was likable he was the most
2: likable character the entire film as I and had you know your
3: your your movie is bad if he's the most likable right because you just felt bad for him because everybody's tertiary was
2: at best oh. my god what's next is becky number two coming in becky number two from roseanne coming in as another ex-girlfriend please say yes oh. <laughs> but for a mopey dildo like ex character is he's landed a pretty a few decent looking women that is for sure. But what do they find endearing about him? He's not funny. He front-loads his conversations about his failed relationships and spends more time with his loser friends and oh yeah, making mixtapes for other women. What do they see in this douche canoe?
4: Well, he's worse than a music group because he can't even play an instrument. Yeah. You know, he's but he's got a lot of opinions.
2: Right. If you ever wonder why dudes stalk women, John Hughes and John Cusack movies are a great place to start. Yeah, this was scary. Yeah, he was pretty in pink, sixteen candles, the the, all the oh boy. Oh, it's a road. Say anything. There's another Mm -hmm. one for you. You know what I did the morning after bedding a classy lassie? I threw her ass out before breakfast. That's what I did. No, I'm just kidding. You know what I didn't do? I didn't tell her about all my failed relationships (laughs) because you don't do that, goddammit, because you want the chance to possibly sleep with her again because nothing, nothing throws a sponge between a woman's legs faster than pining away for ex-girlfriends. No one was screaming out the entire time watching. He goes, no one does that. No one who has common sense does that. Me? Okay, I was the only one. All right, you liars.
4: (laughs) And what made him even more likable is uh, when he was, you know, essentially trying to rape that one girl that he was dating. He's like, well, I just wanted her breasts, so I'm just going to keep trying. Yeah. I'm going to keep trying. And I'm going to keep trying.
2: Yep. Just like say anything where he was pawning off on her on the couch all passed out, right? Yeah. Was right. that same? I was like, yeah, that's right. That's same film. Okay. What point is there standing outside in a phone booth in the rain? Except for, of course, to make a DA restraining order a slam dunk. <laughs> Jesus. Ted Bunny was a hell of a lot more subtle than this guy. <laughs> if this movie couldn't get any worse, here's Joan Cusack giving a soliloquy and showcasing that god-awful Chicago accent. Yes, David, I know you're sitting right there.
4: <laughs> yeah oh hers is really bad yeah. oh, believe she me. was I good she
2: it. was good in this movie because
4: yeah. she's the only one who ripped him
3: and yeah. she ripped him constantly even though you know she's like i'm your sister but you're a dick you're a dick try to be less of a dick it didn't work but at least she you know at least there was someone
4: verbally saying it. right his mother didn't even love him by the no. way his mother john travolta's mother did you know that i did notice that yes mother or
2: sister mother wow uh tim robbins is wasted in this film but listen he swam through less shit to escape shawshank than he did by being in this film
4: <laughs> all right that's Wind how you write a podcast
2: that's how you write a joke kids <laughs> another great song selection where they're about to fuck up tim robbins know the ledge by eric b and Rakim. I guy yes for the juice soundtrack god damn i love old school rap the shirt that John Cusack wore to Catherine Zeta-Jones dinner party is shinier than any top 10 prospect at this year's NFL draft. <laughs> Suit. I forgot that word. Suit. That was key. Shit. Suit at any Suit. Uh, prospect. Fix Thank and you. post. Fix and post. <laughs> this movie moves slower than morbidly obese people on rascal scooters in Disney World. Couldn't agree more. Top, more top five, top five episodes of Gunning the Sacred Cow podcast. I'm glad you asked. Number one, no no particular order, of course. Number one, Dumb and Dumber with Shelly Martinez, where she watched the wrong Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) (laughs) Shit you not. David, the producer, eating shit, trying to desecrate back to the future. That was not easy. Dave Landau, going after Goodwill Hunting. Bill and Joanne doing the Karate Kid on our first live show. And me, taking a colonic and evacuating all over A Christmas Story. Whoa. Hour and 27 in, and I'm back to reading my autobiography of Brian Johnson from ACDC when I hear Jack Black start to sing. This is worse than the ball bag trauma that Daniel Craig had in Casino Royale. (laughs) Car sex, highly overrated, but necessary when you live with your parents, multiple roommates, or on prison furlough. (laughs)
4: <laughs> or you're cheating on your girlfriend like he was
2: <laughs> i used to have sex with my ex-girlfriend on the hood of her mercedes and porsche Boxster convertibles that her dad both got her for free yeah now you're just bragging i was but i broke up <laughs> with her because well lousy blowjobs just make <laughs> true story just making a myself a mixtape was always a dilemma because i labored over my own mixtapes i haven't made one for a gal since 1998 but I would unretire to make a mixtape for Ivanka Trump, Nicole Scherzinger, and Winnie Cooper.
4: Oh my God. Mm. If that's There's not a variety, that that's that's the ones that are taking you out of retirement.
2: I mean, there are, the list goes on, David, the producer, but <laughs> I wanted to hit some comedic tones in there too. So I could have said, Emily Rajukowski made it too easy, but Jack Black seems like he's always quote unquote on. He and Josh Gad would be a nightmare duo together. Oh, by the way, the most tolerable characters in this film, as I said, the Moby lookalike, what's-his-face, and Tim Robbins. Those are the only ones that you could stomach for more than 30 seconds. I love to tell the screenwriters, including John Cusack was a screenwriter, to suck an entire orchestra of dicks (laughs) while contracting monkeypox, gonorrhea, chlamydia, and syphilis. Then, when you're done leaving the doctor's office to get that diagnosis, I hope you get mugged and they steal your wallet and cell phone. For this film, oh, and as a finishing move, they throw your keys down the sewer. There were there were zero redeemable factors in this film. The characters stunk. The jokes, not one single joke. Maybe the Dillard line. I go, okay, hmm. that's in that's original storyline. Who gives a shit? I pro- the guy. Listen the movie that they did this right with the, with the snarky characters clerks where randall shits on everyone's movie taste but you know what it's different he's funny right if there was a sequel to this film here's what would happen cusack's store would go out of business he would work at a chain music store like a wall-to-wall sound and video or sound or sam goody then he maybe becomes a manager but then eventually gets divorced it doesn't matter i still wouldn't watch it it's a piece of shit.
4: Uh, you know that I, they made it into a TV series?
2: I do. And they also made a reboot with uh, the, the, the reboot as well. Do You saw that. It's with Lisa Bonet's kid. No. Yeah. Yes. Did I say I fucking hate Jack Black? I don't make sure I go on his record <laughs> as saying no, I,
4: And I don't know if he covered that yet.
2: Why did she go back to him? There's no redeeming. There are no redeeming qualities. Is he funny? Yeah. No. Is he, is he sociopathical? Yes. Is he damn, is he creepy, stalkerish? Yes and yes. Is he in the re-split romantic? Does he show any remorse, weakness, anything? No. Why -hmm. is someone who's achieved success in life going back to the loser he is unless they somehow show her tragic Shakespearean flaw of being weak-willed inside? No. Then why is she going back to him? This movie is a one and a half out of 10. And the Ooh. half is Ooh. for the three good songs I like in this film. This, I saw it in the theater, I got dragged, I go, Jesus, this stunk. Everyone's blowing it metaphorically, or metaphorically blowing, adverb before the, the the verb, Kevin. Metaphorically blowing this film, I go, I just don't see it. Where is it? I haven't seen it in forever. And when you said I go it's either this or Empire Records, I said this because I recently saw Empire Records and I fucking hate that film as much as I hate this one. (laughs) And I did not want to go through it again. I said, maybe just maybe this has a chance of redemption. Guess what? It doesn't.
4: You went hard in the paint, man. You gave it less than two stars. Good for you. Buddy,
2: I'm like Rodman on the Pistons with the bad boys here. I'm throwing elbows, and no one is safe from my volley of arms flailing. I hate this film. Cusack Films, boy, you you opened the uh, Pandora's box here. Boy, man, I hate Better Off Dead with the Passion. I hated Say Anything. Again, Con Air, all on on board for that one. Mm. But this is trash. Critics... Five-star reviews. Oh, get ready for the metaphorical rim jobs lined up around the corner, fellas, like the new Smiths album's coming out. (laughs) It is still a bit wimpy and sugary, but is definitely entertaining, and the translation to American accelerates... Translation to American? Someone's missing some words. Accelerates the tempo refreshingly. What the
4: hell does that even mean?
2: Thank you. (laughs) High Fidelity, with its knowing take on men... Messed-up romance and music is like one long, hook-filled pop song for the Ugh. eyes. Ugh. By the way, this guy sounds like he pops his collar and dances way too hard in his seat at a Bruno Mars concert.
4: I thought Ducky's scene in Pretty in Pink in the uh, record store was better than anything shot in their record store.
2: Very, uh, it's very, very nice. true. <laughs> nice. High Fidelity is an extraordinary, funny film. <laughs> Stop the bullshit.
4: Signed Amy Schumer. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: full of verbal and visual
2: wit. And What's this? the visual wit? Like there Thank was, no, you. there was, it
3: was dark. It was a poorly shot movie. There was no visual cues. There was no like, just quick takes. There was nothing. It was oh, I rearranged.
4: Misspelled the uh, shit. That's, <laughs> it was just an, a typo.
2: I re-raise your visual wit and and all in with a verbal wit. Where is the verbal repartee that is so goddamn catchy and kitschy and and laugh-inducing? It's not there. Oh, wait. And the final line. And it is all assembled with immense skill. (laughs) This is why everyone hates critics. Next one (laughs) is a. As a film about males, it is in some am- sorry, it is amazingly insightful for women. The soundtrack's another great plus. I just adjo- I just adored this film, ladies. This is not a true insight into men. That would be like John Hughes films as gospel for learning how to get a girlfriend.
4: Yeah, that's doesn't say very much about us men now. Does it? It's,
2: it's the like a, wrong it's the wrong cross section of the demographic you're cutting out. It's like the two-tenths of the population, like, let's go for these people, which just you know encapsulates all of men. Wrong.
3: It's a cautionary tale. Like they if, women, if you just see this movie, the then there's this one type of guy that you can just cross off the list. Right. This guy, right? Anyone who
2: involved in his universe. In 10 years, God forbid, my daughter goes to college. I'm going to show her this film and say anything. And all John Hughes films, they see all those and pretty in pink and go see all these guys. Get that big red pen out and start crossing them off the list. Critics, one star reviews. Like a male version of Bridget Jones with the lead reduced to a nauseating cipher who espouses mediocre gender politics jargon. Look, as much as I, and I'm sure you all, want to agree with this critic, I want him to end up like Sharon Stone did at the end of Casino.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Not in the lap of uh, Joe Pesci.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, having to blow (laughs) Pesci? Sounds like a vacation compared to hanging out with this person. (laughs) This one, uh, get ready, David. When happiness does arrive in this movie, it has the air of not something that you reach, like your top speed, but of something that you give into, like baldness or old age.
4: Yeah, that's called settling for sure. Yeah, nailed it.
2: This is like, that review was like trying to eat air as a meal. <laughs> Warning, critics, pun alert, clench your buttholes, fellas. <laughs> Cusack has an charm, but he keeps it tuned at the lowest possible frequency. Yeah. <clears throat> Ooh, if, I had a, if I had a slide whistle, I'd be playing the downbeat of it right now. <laughs> Note to self, props for the show. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see this movie because I was miserable that evening. I was miserable that evening because I saw this movie. <laughs> see, I thought that the attempt at the joke, I love the attempt, but someone needs to teach that reviewer, a reviewer how to write a joke. Right. There you go. Cause that got lost in the jumble. Like I'm with you. I think I know what you're going for, but it just, it just didn't come out well in post. Amazon five star reviews. High fidelity is a more clever comedy drama for dramaphobics. What is a dramaphobic? Someone's afraid of drama. Yeah. Is that is that what I'm going to imply? So. Okay. Yeah. Then a simple comedy. Simple being the operative word. Although many scenes are funny and some are side splitting. Let's pause. Po- let's pause. Yeah.
4: They saw a different movie.
2: No, there must have been some. Yeah. yeah there was yeah, they're, nothing. They're no, side,
3: no sides were split. Yeah. Guaranteed.
2: None. <laughs> none. They're, they're, they're watching Airplane instead of this, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, just it's copy and pasted the wrong totally one. be different. Yeah. I've heard the, I heard the complaints about Cusack's monologues to the camera throughout the film, yet I think they're indispensable. His monologues are key to the story because it's all about perspective and how it matures, and they add humorous touches that otherwise couldn't be drawn out with the straining of dialogue. What's great about High Fidelity is that its characters are real people. They think in real ways, in real ways, react to things like people we know would react. They deliver witty lines only if it suits their character, not if the screenwriter wish, wishes to inject a cheap laugh. What does that mean?
4: I would have taken a cheap laugh. Yeah, I would do. <laughs> a
2: couple dick jokes, done. sure. Anything yeah. just distract me from what's going on. Right, they're in the car fucking and she farts or he farts. Yeah, like, okay, that's cheap, but you know what? <laughs> it breaks a little tension. There you go. Whatever. <laughs> Let me preface with by saying I'm female. I say who gives a shit? But I love this movie. I love the book. I love everything Nick's, Nick Hornby has written. Look him up if you enjoyed this because his writing voice is perfectly captured in this movie. This movie is about music and relationships and heartbreak and is a quote unquote coming of age movie for your 20s. There are so many quotable quotes in this movie that it's ridiculous. Uh, the only quotable moments were me saying aloud, how much longer do I have to watch someone self wallow with the lame supporting cast? Those are the only quotes from this, well, from me. Quotable moments, please, guys. Quotable films off the top of our heads. Ready, Caddyshack. Right, Naked Gun, Airplane, Uncle Buck, Borat, Uh right. Stripes, Home, uh, Home Alone, Ferris Bueller. This really? film, no one, no one's out there on these streets, spitting bars from High Fidelity, going, hey, blah 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 blah. Oh wait, you didn't see High Fidelity? Like no one, no one is referencing this film. Stop it i often judge people on how cool they are based on whether they've seen this movie and or read the book if they hated it i know i won't like them <laughs> oh my. look guys let me this person is right about one thing if they say they like this i too won't like them <laughs> i just realized this is a terrible review if you dig music if you're between 35 to 50 if you listen to records if you like jack plaque and joan cusack john cusack sorry just watch this movie one drawback Joan Cusack, but I've learned to block her out since I'm a fan of John Cusack. Now they know
4: where they stand.
2: Sign John Cusack's parents. Okay. Yeah. PR team. (laughs) It's a it's a, a guy's movie masquerading as a chick flick. I saw this movie when it was released, going with my then girlfriend, now wife. She picked the movie, as all chicks do. When I told her I was going to watch it again, she smiled and said, "Well, you did like the movie much more than I did. It's still good, and it's still a guy film." Hey. Sounds like to me that this is someone masquerading as a man.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It's, I I can't see how people like this movie. And they're really not saying what they like about it, especially the character development.
2: This is one I guarantee people say they like to seem smarter than they are. Without question.
4: That people that, you know, want to be pretentious.
2: Bingo. The pseudo intellectuals yeah. Amazon one star reviews, Amazon. a depressing man about wallowing in self-pity who blames others, mostly women for his self-imposed misery, a few, a film with few, if any redeeming features. Boy, that sounds familiar. Other than that, it's fine. Mm, that was
4: the, That was the pitch meeting. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how shitty is John Cusack? <laughs> If you think you would enjoy listening to John Cusack whining about how much of a D-bag is for two hours, this movie's for you. Signed, Joan Cusack. Oh, that's cute. High Fidelity is the worst movie I've seen John Cusack in. His character is a self-indulgent, whiny jerk. God damn, there's a lot of sentiments that are constantly echoed. Who spends the first hour of the movie talking to the screen about all of his past relationships while going through a breakup that, that isn't a breakup? I really couldn't relate at all to the character. He's just horrible. He sleeps with everyone and then whines about the various flaws of each of his former lovers I just don't get the movie it bored and irritated me it's slow paced full of immaturity and shallow people not just Cusack's character and just plain silly I managed to watch an hour but I was drooling and slobbering by that point and I had to go to sleep sounds like you have a pituitary gland issue (laughs) (laughs) not a problem with this film I'm watching this movie and as i'm writing the review i really don't understand how this movie has such good ratings top five i don't likes ready number one sluggish two boring documentary feeling is number three number four too many f-bombs number five no story whatsoever last one the only thing nice about this movie are the shots of chicago which look great even though i found myself laughing at the l train scenes especially because they're riding westbound on northbound-southbound tra- southbound trains. Too funny. Signed, Ryan Sandberg.
4: Yeah, I was going to say that. That's pretty inside.
2: I mean, if anyone's going to pick that apart, David, that would be you. That's, uh, that's your <laughs> nabe. David, the producer, The Jeff Lyons gut that sacred cow?
4: He, he gutted it great. This get- movie sucks, Jeff. I'm glad that you brought it to my attention because in my head, I did think that I... Kinda liked it, mm-hmm. and yeah, you making me have to watch it again. Which, by yeah. the way, I'll never forgive you for.
3: It's a dick move on my part.
4: <laughs> it's kind of the theme of the show.
3: <laughs> but boy, David, didn't we rile up Kevin? My God, yeah. I, so much vitriol. You learned so much about like all the things he hated in life in one movie. Yeah. Jack, Jack Black, every John Cusack movie, not any, every any love, family love member. Kier anyone <laughs> named Kusak, um but you know just to, to to further pile on like you know people who for me like like again a music geek like i know these guys i live with these guys i did this for me to hate this this much it takes a lot a lot of work was put in to make a really bad movie worse than it even should have been right. so there's got to be something said for that. And there's probably there were 20 writers, right? Easily. There are five all, or
2: six. I remember seeing them on the yeah, screen. And, the,
3: and you know, they were all just like doing their work, their due diligence. How how
2: do we craft like an alt,
3: an alt movie, like an alt music movie? And the thing was, this was already after all of the record label things crashed, where all the right. alt bands who got signed that deck collapsed all the off bands that were popular that collapsed like the producers of the movie why were they even thinking that this was still a viable kind of option to make a movie about this type of people
4: all got right. <sighs> gotta take a deep breath guys again uh, gutting continues I love it
2: this was an easy this was an easy gutting you did it, it. don't get me wrong no, no. this is this is taking that cow and having his, having a cut on his leg and then not bandaging it or putting antiseptic on it, and then it got gangrenous, and then the, mm-hmm. the leg had to be amputated, but it's too late. Sepsis has set in, and that cow died. You're the you're, But you're the cut. You are the proverbial first cut, which drew first blood. So you, sir, win. Now to our next section, of course, called Who's Funnier, ChatGPT or KG? ChatGPT has written five jokes. Let's see how Skynet has done this round. Why did the record store record store owner in High Fidelity refuse to sell jazz albums? Because he didn't want his customers to be obsessed with something they couldn't groove to. No. Oh, no. This is all as bad as High Fidelity. No. No. <laughs> no.
4: How did Chet Chet GPT must have seen the movie?
2: <laughs> how did the protagonist at High Fidelity become a master at organizing vinyl records? He had a sound strategy and a real knack for tracking down the perfect spot for each album oh my god these oh are this jack, these is are this jack, chap gt or is, it, is this chip chantry who are you what's <laughs> <going> on <here? laughs> this is jack black's attempt uh what did a what did a music snob say when he saw high fidelity for the first time finally a movie that gets the soundtrack of my life Ooh. why did the main character of high fidelity prefer dating musicians Because he believed in keeping a harmony between his love life and his passion for music. These are great. Oh, my God. (laughs) Boy, my assholes puckered up so hard reading these jokes. It's amazing. What's the difference between the characters in High Fidelity and a mixtape? The characters change, but a mixtape stays on repeat. I I don't even know what's happening. (laughs) I do. It's called KG4 Skynet Zero. (laughs) I'm not losing this anytime soon. David, the producer, Jeff Lyons, you guys were a goddamn ball of fire. Piss and vinegar mixed with fireball, the drink. That'll definitely <laughs> unclog the radiator. Thanks again for joining us, fellas. We'll see you next time. Avita Zen.